Hey everyone, welcome back to the online ministry of Grace Baptist Church. And today we're concluding our series in the Gospel of Luke called How It All Began. Many people, we've said, claim Jesus is a mascot for their cause, but they've imagined him on their own terms rather than taking him on his. We've looked at the earliest days of Jesus' public ministry to better understand the true heart of his life and message. And today we're considering when it's time to start over. Now, for Mauricio Estrella, all it took was a password. In his TED Talk, Estrella explains how he walked into work one day, and as he turned on his computer, he was greeted by the message, your password is expired, click on the link to change it. It felt like the last straw. He was running late that morning, had forgotten to eat breakfast, he had a meeting to attend, and he was weighed down by the latest tensions with his ex-wife. He was still emotionally raw from a brutal divorce. The server at his work was configured to ask all the employees to change their passwords every 30 days. As he stared at the blank field, he decided, I'm going to use a password to change my life. He entered F-O-R-G-I-V-E at H-3-R. Forgive her. Every morning when he arrived at work, Every time he came back from lunch or returned from a break, he would type, forgive her. For the next 30 days, it became the mantra that he had repeated over and over and over again. He said, that constant reminder that I should forgive her led me to accept the way things happened at the end of my marriage and embrace a new way of dealing with the depression that I was drowning into. I wonder whether you've made a decisive change in your life like that. A change where you've decided to start over and approach a problem or an aspect of your life in a completely different way. Estrella was losing a battle with depression. That gave him an urgency to change. In my life, I found that I often resist change. There's an internal battle that takes place where I both feel the need to change while at the same time deny the urge to do so. If you're like me, you prefer incremental change. You like to make little tweaks here and there, but sometimes you need a more radical break. Sometimes you need to start over. And today we're looking at Luke 5 verses 27 to 39. It's a passage that shows one person who started over and others who refused to do so. And it helps us to see when it's time to start over and shows us where we can find the motivation to help us. Consider where you might need to start over in your own life as I read starting at verse 27. If you don't have a Bible, you can click on the link for today's passage in the description below. Luke 5, verses 27 to 39. After this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. And Levi made a great feast in his house, and there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at table with him. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And they said to him, the disciples of John fast often and offer prayers, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees, but yours eat and drink. 
And Jesus said to them, Can you make wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast in those days. He also told them a parable. No one tears a piece from a new garment and puts it on an old garment. If he does, he will tear the new, and the piece from the new will not match the old. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the new wine will burst the skins and it will be spilled, and the skins will be destroyed. But new wine must be put into fresh wineskins. And no one, after drinking old wine, desires new, for he says, the old is good. This is the word of God. Now, the first reason the passage gives for starting over is when you care more about getting than giving. When you can identify greed in your life that's begin to shape your decisions and your habits, you need more than just minor adjustments. Start over when you care more about getting than giving. As the scene opens in verse 27, Jesus sees a tax collector named Levi sitting in his collections booth. Now, he's a frontline agent that would have reported to a chief tax collector like Zacchaeus. Tax collectors were hated because they were, first of all, seen as traitors by their own people for collaborating with Rome. But what was worse was that right after bidding for the right to work a particular post, they had a free reign to extort money for themselves over and above the taxes that were due to Rome. So they were traitors, thieves, and people hated them for it. Now, in the parallel passage, this tax collector is named Matthew. Here, he's called Levi. Most Jews in this time had two names, one Hebrew or Aramaic and the other Greek or Latin. The fact that his parents named him Levi either means that he's from the priestly line of Levites, or they hoped that he would grow up to model the dedication to God that the Levites were famous for. The fact that he had instead betrayed his heritage to get rich as a tax collector would have been a disappointment to them and a rebuke to fellow Jews. He would be hated. Most people would avoid him. Jesus not only looks at him, but he calls him as his disciple. It's a startling invitation to grace. Jesus refuses to let people's past define them. His good news makes it possible for people to make a new start and go in a new direction. And Levi's response is remarkable. Verse 28 just says, And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. He stands up from his chair with his ledger still open and people standing in line, and he walks off the job. It's a picture of true discipleship. Almost the exact same language is used in chapter 5, verse 11, when Peter, James, and John leave their nets and their catch of fish and follow Jesus. The point isn't that everyone has to change careers, but meeting Jesus involves a break with your old life. In Luke 14, 33, Jesus says, Any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. In Levi's case, renouncing his past meant confronting his greed. It meant learning to give grace to others instead of just focusing on himself. We know that from verse 29 because the very first thing he did after following Jesus was to throw a party for all his friends and introduce them to Jesus and the other disciples. Luke describes it like this. 
And Levi made him a great feast in his house. And there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at table with them. I love that he's not too holy for his friends. He's not embarrassed to be seen with them. He doesn't turn his back on people just because they haven't turned to Jesus yet. And he's not embarrassed by his fellow disciples either. Because of Jesus, he's learning to see people through the eyes of grace. He's starting to be a giver instead of a taker. I wonder if you've done that. When Monday morning comes, does it feel like you're sitting at the tax booth? When you put your head down at night, do you think about what you deserve? Are all your dreams about you? Or have you learned to focus on other people? Do you look for ways to draw in people that are outsiders? Have you ever gathered your friends to introduce them to Jesus? Greed isn't something that we can just tweak a little. It needs a decisive break. It's time to start over when you care about more about getting than giving. And what Jesus is calling you to is better than what he's calling you from. Now, there's a second reason for starting over, though. It's when you care more about your own health than other people's sickness. When you're more focused on guarding what you have than meeting people's needs. It's time to start, start over when you care about more about your own health than other people's sickness. Let me explain what I mean. We saw how Jesus called Levi as a disciple. It was an incredible turning point. Jesus had set his life on a completely different course. And now Levi was trying to have that same influence on others. He's serving up his homemade lafa and tahini while his friends ask about the day he left his job and decided to follow Jesus. There's hope and laughter and grace in the air. But the religious people can't stand it. Verse 30 says, And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Their idea of holiness was avoiding anyone whom they deemed less pure. They thought they'd get contaminated by spending time with people who didn't keep their rules. And there are plenty of people in the church today who think the same thing. They avoid people who don't think like them. They fear people who don't believe like them. And they think they're being righteous for doing so. Jesus confronts them in verses 31 and 32 with the now famous words. Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus's ministry was focused on people who could see that they were sick. He didn't spend his time with people who were too self-righteous to care about those who didn't have it all figured out yet. He didn't devote his time to people who made a religion out of self-preservation. There were too many people to save for that, too many people to rescue. And Jesus's followers did the same. While the Pharisees were complaining that Jesus's disciples were having dinner with riffraff instead of sitting in another Bible study, Jesus celebrated them. He joined them. I wonder whether you've bought into the Pharisees' religion of self-preservation. Are you more concerned with keeping yourself pure than reaching the people around you? Is your attitude to the war, toward the world primarily defensive? Is your faith fundamentally selfish? Do you care about, more about your own health 
than other people's sickness. If you claim to follow the one who called himself a doctor, what does it say about your faith that you refuse to spend time with sick people? Can you imagine a hospital where all the doctors and nurses huddle in one room for fear of catching something from the patients? Doctors and nurses who are too afraid to treat sick people, they'd lose their jobs. Their credentials would be revoked. We wouldn't call them doctors or nurses anymore. Jesus' followers are committed to those who are sick. We reject the religion of self-preservation and selfishness. And so if you care more about your own health than other people's sickness, it's time to start over. It's time to realize how sick you really are. It's time to confront the fact that, like the Pharisees, you've exchanged God's mission and heart for this world with a selfish, man-made religion that misuses the Bible for its own purposes. If you care more about your own health than other people's sickness, it's time to start over. And what Jesus is calling you to is better than what he's calling you from. So we've said that it's time to start over when you care more about getting than giving, when you care about more about your own health than other people's sickness, and finally, when you care more about losing yesterday than celebrating today. People can become so attached to certain forms of religion that they miss what God is trying to do in their lives. Start over when you care more about losing yesterday than celebrating today. In verse 33, the Pharisees ratchet up their criticism. They're down on Jesus, but they indirectly insult him by making these passive-aggressive comments about his disciples. They say, The disciples of John fast often and offer prayers, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees. But yours eat and drink. Now, the Old Testament required people to fast once a year on the Day of Atonement. But the Pharisees were so into religious extremism that they fasted twice a week on Mondays and Thursdays. They fasted because they wanted to get close to God. They fasted to mourn their sins and seek God's forgiveness. They fasted because they longed for him to send a savior. The fact that Jesus and his disciples were having these dinner parties just seemed spiritually careless to them. Where was their devotion? Where was their commitment? Jesus' response is stunning. In verses 34 and 35, he says, Can you make wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast in those days. If you are someone who thought that Jesus was just a nice moral teacher, this is probably one of the verses that you've missed. Notice, he's explaining the reason why his followers don't fast to mourn over their sins and get closer to God. And his answer is essentially, because I'm here. Because of my arrival, people should be dancing instead of fasting. It's a time for celebration, not for mourning. That's quite a statement, right? <laughs> if I ever said something like that, people would walk out. And rightly so. Who on earth does he think he is? If you listen closely, Jesus drops these hints about his identity all through the Gospels. And Jesus deliberately makes these statements to force people to make a decision about who he is. That's what he's doing with the Pharisees in verse 34. And maybe that's what he's doing with you right now. 
Do you know what people's usual response is? They try to take their old beliefs that they're familiar with and mix them with the new information that they hear about Jesus. For the Pharisees, that meant treating Jesus as a religious teacher and trying to get him to follow their traditions and rules. For people of other religions, it often means ignoring the claims that Jesus made about himself and just focusing on the moral teachings that line up with what they already believe. Today, irreligious people do the same thing by picking out some of the things Jesus said in support of their social values or political causes. I saw something similar early on when people came to visit us in Japan. When some guests arrived, they were served sashimi for the first time. And they just couldn't get their heads around eating a raw slab of fish. So they grilled it. That made it more familiar to them, more palatable. But that's not sashimi anymore. And it's the same when you try to force Jesus into a social or religious mold that isn't his. You're left with a Jesus that's unrecognizable. And that's actually the point of the illustrations that Jesus gives starting in verse 36. He says, No one tears a piece from a garment and puts on an old garment. If he does, he will tear the new, and the piece from the new will not match the old. Now, we never read this verse in my, ho my home growing up. I'd be wearing jeans until they looked nice and worn, big holes in the knees, and then my mother would sew a big navy blue patch on them. And I'd be like, can't we please just throw these jeans out now? They look completely ridiculous. It's the same thing when you try to patch Jesus onto your old beliefs. It doesn't work. Similarly, in verse 37, he says, And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the new wine will burst the skins and it will be spilled and the skins will be destroyed. Now, old wineskins become hard and brittle. They can't take the expansion that takes place with the fermentation of fresh wine. Unless you start over with new wineskin, the new wine is going to end up spilled all over the ground. Maybe your faith has become hard and brittle, like that old leather wineskin. Your assumptions about God and life and religion are so rigid and inflexible that God can't even speak to you anymore. He wants you to experience sashimi, and you keep tossing the fish on the grill. Start over when you care more about losing yesterday than celebrating today. What Jesus is calling you to is better than what he's calling you from. Do you care more about getting than giving? Are your dreams all about yourself? Is even your faith mostly about you? Or do you draw others in the way that Levi did? What Jesus is calling you to is better than what he's calling you from. Do you care more about your own health than other people's sickness? Somewhere along the line, did you sign up for the religion of self-preservation? Did you forget that sin isn't just out there, it's in here? Did you forget that Jesus' followers are committed to those who are sick? What Jesus is calling you to is better than what he's calling you from. I don't know too many people whose lives have been changed with a clever password. Change is hard, and we often resist it. 
But what if God himself entered this world to invite you to start over? What if you knew that he would lead you? He calls all of us to repentance, and that probably means leaving some things behind. But Jesus leads us into celebration. His presence in our lives leads us into joy and into fullness. He's the great physician. So admit to him how sick you really are. Invite him to heal you. He knows you're not as righteous as you'd like others to think, but he's just waiting for you to admit it. What Jesus is calling you to is better than what he's calling you from. Follow Jesus into the change that he seeks in your life. The new wine he brings really is better than the old. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that there is such hope with you. Thank you that you met Levi before the change, and you were the one who led him through the change. When others rejected him, when others looked down on him, you're the one that noticed. You cared when no one else did. And it was with you, in your presence, that his life could be transformed from a taker into a giver. Do that work in all of our hearts. We invite you as the great physician to change us, to heal us. We turn from those things, turn from our greed and our selfishness, our fears. We turn from all of them and we give ourselves to Jesus Christ. Bring us the new wine. Bring us that new work in our hearts. Change us. For we ask you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I hope this message has helped you to see when it might be time to start over in your attitudes or beliefs and given you the encouragement and motivation you need if that's where you find yourself. If it stirred up questions or you'd like to know more about a relationship with Jesus, send me an email or leave a comment below. If you th think this is a message that others need to hear, leave a comment, share the link, and help spread the word. As always, for more messages of hope, visit gracebc.ca. God bless and see you next time.